Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. Hi everyone, it's Amy here. Um, A bit of a long time no speak situation. Um, So today we are um, talking to Kirsty. I'm a bit out of practice, um, as you can tell. Um, we're talking to Kirsty, and she walks us through her IVF journey. Um, she started, um, well, she has PCOS, um, and she also had polyps in her uterus and needed a DNC to remove those before she could get started. So she began her IVF journey going through a bulk build clinic, and they told her um, disgustingly to lose weight before she moved on to Monash IVF to continue her treatment. Um, I just wanted to sort of add in that um, anyone listening who's been told that to lose weight or has had comments made about their weight by an IVF doctor, um, I'm really sorry that you have had to go through that because that is not okay and you shouldn't have, you know, have to endure that um fat phobic attitude as far as I'm concerned. So um I'm really sorry. Um so Kirsty talks us about talks to us about that. Um she also walks us through her first stim cycle which was in January of 2020. So just before the big C the big COVID hit um us, which we are still enduring, um, you know, <laughs> as hard as it all is living through a pandemic. Um, her first transfer failed after her first stim cycle. And when we last spoke to her, she was hoping to go back in June of 2020, I think. So um, we might reach out to Kirsty and ask her for a brief update so we can pop it on our Instagram, which is IVF Tales Podcast over on Insta. Um, before I play today's episode if you are loving listening to us because we get so many messages on instagram saying oh my gosh thank you so much for this podcast um it's so great but the best thing you can do is actually give us a review on um, apple or spotify and it doesn't need to be words it just has to be you know five stars or whatever um an actual written review would be lovely, but if you don't have the time and we know what it's like going through IVF and juggling your life and everything, you know, um, so don't feel pressured. But yeah, definitely just leave us a review if you're enjoying listening to the show. Um, sorry, if you can hear the plane going around in the background <laughs> or the kids screaming. Um, okay, we will leave it to Kirsty to tell her story today. Cheers, guys. Thank you for joining us today, Kirsty. Thank you for having me. Uh, do you just want to start us off with a little a bit about who you are and who's in your family? Sure. Um, so, obviously, my name is Kirsty. Uh, my husband's name is Wim. Uh, we've been together for 16 years, been married for 12. Um, at this point, we have two, two fair babies, um, and we both in the pool um, and both work for our local council. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your fertility story and how that's okay, gone? Okay, so um, when I 
was 21 years old. My husband and I had been together for two years. Uh, basically, for the first first three months we were together. After that, we didn't prevent pregnancy. Um, and so after I happening, um, I went to the doctors and I was diagnosed with PCOS. So I've been on that since I was 21 years old and I'm 36 now. Um, so basically I was told, oh, please get woman, go away, she's more pregnant now. Um, it wasn't until probably I was about 26, 27, I thought um, about a gynecologist to have a discussion about um, infertility, why we weren't getting pregnant, um, because I had just been diagnosed with diabetes as well at that point. Um, so I went to the gynecologist, he did a heap of tests, um, found that Technically, he didn't understand where I got a diagnosis of PCOS from. Um, I don't have this on my own brain or anything. So, to him, he considered the issue. Um, I had a laparoscopy done to, you know, have a look around. Um, I had uh, quite a few large polyps in my uterus. So, I had a and had those polyps cut out. They had a look around and make sure there was no endometriosis. Um, they checked my fallopian tubes to make sure they weren't blocked. So everything came back great. And um, then my husband had a um, sperm analysis done and found that he had a low sperm count, but the sperm themselves were quite healthy. So it could have just been, you know, his lifestyle or, you know, there was something wrong with the test sample that he gave that particular day. Um, I mean, it wasn't low, low, but it wasn't you know, what they consider average. So after that, um, I put on Clomid, and I did that um, for, I was on Clomid for over 12 months, every month. Um, and that never worked. Um, it did. Um, regulate my period, which is amazing. So I ended up getting a period every 28 days and still do. I haven't been on Clomid since 2012 um, and I still get a period every 28 days. Unfortunately, I thought Clomid didn't work either and I decided to have a break. I didn't want to focus on it anymore. So we just went on with our lives and we moved around a lot because my husband was a stockman by trade. We moved around a lot. Uh, when we moved to, to the Blue Mountains in 2015, we found a bulk wheel clinic. And so yeah. um, we went to a bulk wheel clinic and basically they told me that I was too overweight to use their service and I had to go away and come back wow. when I'd lost weight. So... God. Um, in that time, I ended up breaking my leg, so they also said that they weren't going to help me um, while I had a broken leg. Um, so then I was sort of defeated, and you know I wasn't in a position where I could afford private IVF. So fast forward to 
um, this time last year, 2019, I met a friend who had gone through a private IVF clinic and recommended a fertility specialist. So um, I went and seen the fertility specialist and we went through some information and she had a look at test results and things like that that I had done in the past. Um, and, to, and she told me that you can use your superannuation to pay for IVF. So that's what I did. I, I applied to my super, I got money from my superannuation, and went on to do uh, my first cycle in January this year. Um, the, you know, the process of the injections and things like that was fine. I don't think I had a lot of, you know, um, side effects and things like that. Uh, so we did a full skin cycle. January, a fresh transfer in January, which was um, negative, and then we did a frozen embryo transfer in April, which was also failed, and that brings us to today. Well, so that's it. Um, so did you, you did you want to? Yeah, did you want to run through how many eggs and things were collected during your cycle, and sort of what was the progress with that? Yeah, so I did the um, injection. I, when I had my last ultrasound, the nurse said that she could only see about five eggs that were at the right side. Uh, so uh, actually when we went in and had egg collection, I was surprised when I woke up because they'd managed to get 20 eggs. Wow. So that was amazing. I felt so much better after I had that exception last time. I was still really up to it. Um, yeah, everything felt heavy and uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, so I got 28, 16 of those eggs were mature, uh, 12 fertilised, but only two made it to day five. So, um, so that was a little bit disappointing that we had so many and, and so many dropped off so quickly. Um, so yeah, um, um, anything else? Yeah, so after your treatment, so after you've had um, your 20 eggs and things like that, have you gone back to see your fertility specialist to sort of discuss another approach or your next round of treatment, or are you just sort of having a bit of a break while all this COVID sort of stuff happens and check in after that? So, yeah, so with COVID, um, obviously they um, aren't doing weren't doing um, egg collections anymore. So after the frozen embryo transfer failed, I made a decision to go back to my GP and have a discussion about losing some weight. Uh, with the time to, um, you know, to get past this whole COVID-19 stuff, I figured it's the best time to lose some weight and get my body back. I did put on weight. Um, while we were doing the... Um, Stim cycles and the embryo transfers, I was put on insulin mm -hmm. um, as opposed to metformin. Mm -hmm. So um, insulin makes you put on weight. Mm -hmm. So not only did I have you know weight gained from in, uh, the hormone injections, but I also had weight gained from the insulin. So I made the decision to um, try a treatment with my GP to lose weight. Um, and, you know, 
try and get my weight down as much as I possibly can to be as healthy as I can before we start a new stim cycle. And I made the decision also to not do another stim cycle until after um, this financial year uh, for tax purposes with your super and, mm-hmm. and income and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've taken this time off now to um, to this point, I think I've lost four or five kilos in the last three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, just trying to, the more weight you lose, especially for women with PCOS, um, obviously weight plays a role in, in how your hormones work and things like that. And yeah. Being as healthy as you possibly can before you get pregnant is really important. Um, so I figured I'd take this downtime to obviously, you know, give my emotions a rest and um, get my body in as good condition as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair enough. Did yeah. you, so the fertility specialist, did they go back on to the polycystic ovary syndrome diagnosis? Did they agree with that? Sorry, what was that? With the polycystic ovary syndrome. So was it yeah. the gynecologist who didn't think you had it, but yep. the fertility specialist has confirmed it now? I just, uh, the, the thing with PCOS is that just on the ovaries is just a symptom of PCOS. Yep. I actually have um, the other... The hormonal. They identify yep. PCOS. So I have male type balding and body hair and things like that, yep. you know, male-type body hair. So hormonally, it's not that bad, but it's not great either. Yeah. Yeah. So from the PCOS. So. Okay. Um, how did you – so just just a quick question um, with regards yep. to your diabetes. Does the diabetes yep. impact your treatment at all? The treatment, no. Um, it's going to impact um, – how the, the baby's going to grow. So their biggest concern was making sure that the body was was at its best. Because yeah. um, you need, obviously, they treat the diabetes, especially when they're pregnant. So it was more about getting the treatment right before I get pregnant um, to manage the diabetes. Because obviously, I'm going to have it through the entire pregnancy. And there's, you know, a lot of issues with, um, diabetes and pregnancies. Um, so I went to an endocrinologist, which was a condition from my food specialist. She wanted the okay from an endocrinologist to go ahead and treat them. Yeah. So he, the endocrinologist was actually the one that put me on insulin. Um, I think made the decision that either I want to be on metformin and insulin not be on insulin at all until I have to be on insulin while I'm pregnant. Um, studies have shown, so there was a doctor in Australia who was doctor to ever use metformin as a treatment for PCOS. Um, he did extensive studies on women, um, pregnant women that are on metformin and was never showing um, any issues um, towards a, a growing fetus, the metformin. So I I had a discussion with my GP. I've had a discussion with my facility specialist. Um, I haven't had a chance to have a discussion with my endocrinologist about the metformin. Mm-hmm. Um, because metformin has actually shown a 15% increase um, 
for women at risk of miscarriage. So miscarriage is really high um, for women um, with PCOS. And it actually showed a 15% decrease in miscarriage with women with PCOS being on metformin while you're pregnant. Well, okay. So yeah. obviously that's the decision I'm going to have to make with my endocrinologist and my specialist for myself. Um, what we're going to do about that. But I just, yeah, at this point, being back on the corner and off the insulin was more about losing some weight to, to get as low as I can before we start another skin cycle. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, just had a had a bit of a curiosity with that, wondering how that was going to change your treatment or if it would at all. So, yeah, no. So yeah, so the actual process of of going in and and having egg collection and things like that, there's no adverse reactions to that at all. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, what about your relationships? So, has IVF had an impact on your intimate? relationship or your friendship circle family um i have to say you know the first month that we signed idea um i think i was so excited that i mentioned it to people who say um so then to have to go back and tell all these people that it did work to have to continue to say don't fail don't fail don't fail that really hurts that's a big thing so the most important when I was in my first embryo transfer is I actually didn't tell anyone. Um, I didn't tell my most of my friends. So I had one close friend at me and my mum and and my husband's dad. And obviously my husband. That was it. Um, so to continuously tell people that it failed, it was it, that was really, really hard. Um into the relationship with my husband. Um my husband is is, is very uh, blunt. Um, you know, to him, he doesn't. You know, he doesn't mind if we do or don't have kids. It's not high on his bucket list to, to have children. Um, it was me. I've always wanted to be a mum. You know, I was five years and people would ask me what you want to be when you grow up. But I would say I want to be a mum. Um, so, you know, he he's doing this for me and he's has supported me through the whole thing, you know, he's helped me when I've cried and, you know, he doesn't want to do this, I guess, lucky with him from, you know, the medication, I get short tempers or mm-hmm. things like that. So, um, even though it's not a high to see, um, you know, he's not sure all the hoops, but all the things, done what he's had to do and, you know, he's, he's through the shoulder and crying, but to him it's not a fire you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So he, he's quite happy to not have children um if it doesn't yeah, if the it, chips don't fall that if way. It comes to that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How how do you feel about that? It doesn't bother me. I know that he would be an amazing dad. Like he loves kids. He a thirty five year old son. Um he loves being silly and, and kids love him. He's so loud and gruff and, you know, the way the sport um, even puts adults off sometimes, that kids gravitate to them, they love them, no matter what, and it's, it's mind-boggling to watch these kids just gravitate to them. So he's like a big, big rough man on the outside, but a teddy bear on the inside, really, by the oh, sounds of it. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> he's not hard. He tries not to show it. Yeah. Um, but, like, even we have friends with babies, things like that, you know, it's, 
if our friends are busy and the baby gets up, he'll go over and pick them up and talk to them. He yeah. talks to them like they're 35 year old adults, but, you know, he'd still rather pick them up than watch them get up there. Yeah, I don't think my husband so, was like that. Wouldn't go and pick up other people's <laughs> children. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. He'll happily go and play games and yeah. do silly things with kids. Like, babies aren't his cup of tea. His, his little, little babies have never been his cup of tea. But once we'll be older and they can go out and kiss the ball and run around and be silly, he's, he's quite happy to be in the middle. Even if there's plenty of kids there, he'll be in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's you cute. Know, so. Yeah. Um, so basically, like you, you told people the first round, but you haven't told them, or you, you're not going to tell them when you go through the second round of IVF. Um, is that purely just because you know you've said earlier that it, it it's too it hurts too much to sort of tell them that it hasn't worked? Is there any sort of yeah. other reasons that you sort of apart from that? Like, did you find that maybe? Um, people didn't understand as much, so they weren't as supportive or, you know, you received comments that you didn't find helpful, so you'd rather just avoid those in the future? No. So everyone that I've spoken to, like um, a lot of my close friends, all of my family, all of my family know how important having a child is to me. Um, I didn't get any negative whatsoever. Um, it was just the constant having to tell somebody that it failed, to have to keep saying that over and over again. Um, you know, typically I went into this thinking, you know, this is it, you know, this is was our issue was the fact that we couldn't get, you know, the sperm wasn't in great condition, so it wasn't going to work. So as soon as we get the sperm it's going to be fine. It's going to be perfect. Um, so I think I went in a bit naive, thinking that it's going to work first, though. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, then to find out that it didn't work um, and then to having to tell all these people, you know, they bring me your message to you, having to keep saying no, it's failed, um, which is like, you know, feeling harder every time you yeah. had to write it or say it. Yeah. Um, so it certainly was a lesson learned. But, um, so when we did our first transfer in, in April, like I said, I told two friends, my mum and my husband's dad. So yeah. that was it. So it wasn't the constant having to tell somebody that it didn't work. Yeah, the updates and things like that can be really difficult. And, you yeah, know, you know they mean well, but yeah. you kind of just like just you'll know when I know or when I'm ready to tell you. So, exactly. yeah. Um, you yeah. said earlier, just backtracking a little bit, that your husband's sperm um, was low but healthy. Has he done anything to sort of change or like his diet or his lifestyle to sort of try and improve that sperm? Um, quality and did you guys? Sorry, just a double barrel question. Did you guys do IVF or ICSI? So we did ICSI. Mm-hmm. There was the opportunity to do IVF, so to do natural selection. Um, I don't know if I can say this, but when I had to do the sample, he missed some of it. Oh. Um, so <laughs> it's a running joke. You know, we laugh about it now, but he missed. He missed some of it. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't as much. So they did bring us up and say, look, the sample wasn't big enough for, to do uh, natural selection. So we were always going into these things. So 50% going to be and 50% were going to be natural selection. 
Yeah. Obviously, because we didn't get a full sample, um, they just said that there wasn't enough, so we just did ICSI on all of them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we did ICSI. Um, and what was the other question? Oh, um, yeah, did he do um, anything to improve the quality of his sperm? Sorry about that. You're right. Sorry about the motorcycle. Um, <laughs> no, not particularly. Like he he has a relatively healthy lifestyle, um, regardless. Um, unfortunately, he suffers from illness, so he does take um medication that can um obviously have an effect on his quality. Um, mm-hmm. so I mean, everyday lifestyle factors can can. Um, has an effect on sperm quality. Um, he certainly doesn't party as hard. He started our guest, was partying like every weekend. Um, so alcohol consumption is definitely better than it was, yeah. uh, which was a big thing. You know, being drinking and all that stuff obviously goes with the um, sperm quality. At yeah. this point, probably not. I think when we decided to do our next round, um, I did buy him. Um, you can get like melanin, the vitamin for men. Yeah. Um, but I have found that like just the zinc, um, uh, vitamin is enough. The zinc is then use high quantities of zinc. I did some research, um, and instead of buying like these expensive, um, multi multi vitamins for men, I found that zinc is the main ingredient you're looking for for skin quality. Okay. So I have asked him to start taking that. When we finally work out when we're going to start, you know, you've got to wait three months before you start again for them to start taking a um a supplement. Yeah. Um, for it to have any effect. Yeah, three months before it starts to sort of improve anything. Yeah. 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 So that that's the plan at this point. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, if you could pick to speak to yourself at the start of your fertility journey, is there any advice that you would give yourself? Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Don't tell so many people that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Because it hurts when you have to ring them all up and say, hey, it didn't work. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, especially with egg collection, egg collection is rough. Um, I don't know whether it's because we had so many eggs um, whether it, that was why I suffered so badly. But um, I definitely think I got like a hint of hopelessness. Um, yeah. I was definitely in a lot of pain after the collection. Um, I worked at a hotel, uh, well, I did work at a hotel um, while we were doing our first round of IBS. Um, and I, you know, told the boss, oh, no, I'll be at work um, the next the next day after egg collection, yeah. yeah, I didn't work that weekend. We had egg collection on Friday. I still couldn't walk Sunday morning. Yeah. Um. So definitely, you know, be realistic and realize that you know body's being doing needles and hormones things like that. So egg collection definitely be forgiving with yourself and and go home and put your feet up. Oh yeah, you've been through the ringer. I think. Um, particularly going through your first round of IVF, you don't actually understand that you're actually getting a needle, you know, through your vaginal wall multiple times, oh, multiple yeah, times, and you're needles. yeah, and you're pun- yeah. and you're punctured multiple times. Like it's actually quite an invasive surgery, you know. And even though it's done quickly, like I was the same. I said I'd be back at work, and 
um, I did go back to work and I was a teacher at the time. So I was walking around with those little hand warmer things in my pocket of my skirt, like holding it against my, my, you know, my ovary area, my uterus area. And even just walking was killing me. And we only got, we got 12 eggs, but I just remember thinking if I ever have to do this again, I'm never, I'm not coming to work this week. Like it's it, I'm done. Like I need to take a break, Mm -hmm. but there was something for me to prove, you know, like that it wasn't going to get the best of me. And I think we sort of have that attitude that we have to go through this, but it's not going to own us sort of thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. So you definitely, I think, the best advice, I think, is, you know, don't, you know, you have to forgive yourself. You know, if you need to cry, then you cry. You know, if you're in pain, then, you know, you want to feed up and just give yourself half an hour to just chill out, step past it. Um. Yeah, definitely don't don't push yourself. Try don't try and push yourself through it. Um, I think another thing is is you know you live in the moment. You know, like you're going through something that is massive, um, massively emotionally massive, it is mentally massive, and it's physically massive. And I think you just need to be gentle and forgiving with yourself. Yeah. Um, and just and live every day. Um. You know, just just take it a day at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't try and 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 you know, really see the baby at the end of the tunnel because you've got to get there first. Yeah. That's um. Fine. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I think um, unless there's anything else you want to add, like I think we're I've you know you've answered all of my questions and Tiff. Yeah. Yeah. Covered everything for me as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Kirsty. That's all right, no worries. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story, we will pop the link in the show notes. Be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes, it lands straight into your listen now. If you could also leave us a review for the show, that would be so appreciated. No words are needed, just stars. If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Valette Galushenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts.